So way back in the day, there was a guy and a girl, and they decided that they wanted to get married. So they lived in two separate towns. They were going to come together, and they were finally going to get married. And at their wedding reception, the groom told this riddle to some of the guys that were at this wedding, and they were from the bride's hometown. And he made this bet with them. And he said, I just told you this riddle, and I guarantee that you cannot solve this riddle. So the guy, he approached, the guys approached the, the bride and they said, Hey, listen, I know you just got married. I know you've probably got other things on your mind and like you're really excited and it's like your big day and everything, but we need you to get some information out of your husband. You have to get the answer to this riddle that he's told us, and then you have to tell us what the answer is. And if you don't, we're going to kill you. And we're going to kill your everyone that you know, your family, everybody. Got it? Like serious business. So naturally, the bride she goes to her husband and she, she begs, just please tell me the answer to this riddle. I have to know it. I, I just please, please, please. And then he finally caves. And then she, she did as she was told. And she goes to those guys who threatened her and who received the riddle from the guy in the first place. And she tells them the answer. They solve the riddle. They win the bet. They're victorious over this husband. Well, this really ticked off the groom. He was mad. He got outsmarted and he couldn't stand it. He was unhappy. He lost his temper. And then he ended up killing a bunch of people at this wedding. And then he leaves town, just runs away from everything. Like maybe just a little bit of a slight overreaction, right? See, the, the bride's dad the bride's dad was like, okay, what the heck just happened? This was the worst wedding reception ever. Like, we've got people who are dead, and there's a riddle involved in this that makes no sense. So he just assumes that the groom has gone for good. The groom's out of here. So he gives his daughter to be married to someone else because his daughter has to get married today. Like, this was the plan. So he gives his daughter to be married to someone else, and then a little bit of time passes. She's married to this new guy, and the groom comes back. And for some reason, he's just in on, and the dad says, well, I thought you were gone, so I gave her to be married to someone else, so why don't you just marry her younger sister? Like, this story is absolutely crazy. But the thing is, it, doesn't, it gets a little bit crazier. This is where it gets really, really weird. See, the groom is just not having it. He can't believe that his wife was given away, and he captures a bunch of foxes, foxes, and then he lights their tails on fire, and then he sends them to go run all throughout this town, and they go and they burn, burn down these buildings, they burn down grain and vineyards and all these freaking olive groves in town. I mean, it is absolutely nuts. Like, this story makes absolutely no sense. You're probably sitting here like, what are you even telling me? Why are we talking about this? This is stupid. Well, the thing is, believe it or not, that story that I just told you is in the Bible. It's a story in the Old Testament. 
it doesn't really read exactly how I just said it. You know, I made it sound a little more fun and a little crazier. But it goes about like that. That's the basic plot of that story. It's found in the book of Judges. It's in chapters 14 through 15. If you want to go prove it for yourself that it's actually in there, I promise it is. Maybe you're wondering, though, what in the world does this story from the Bible, like if you were to read it, what does this have to do with my life? What in the world does this have to do with my life today? And I think that's a pretty valid question. See, last time we met, we started this conversation about the Bible in this new series called Table of Context, where we're talking about what the Bible means to us, what the purpose of it is, why it's so important that we open it and we read it. And we said that the Bible, it points to God, and it helps us to know God, it helps us to truly know God. And we also said that when the Bible is confusing— which it definitely can be, especially when we talk about the story that, we just, that I just said, reading the Bible with Jesus in mind is like putting on these, these 3D glasses. And it makes things so much clearer. It brings things to life when we look at it through the lens of Jesus. But, but what about stories like the one I just like, said to you guys? What about those stories? Like how, what does that have to do with Jesus? How do we look at that story through the lens of Jesus? And maybe you weren't even surprised that that story was from the Bible because you're sitting here and you're like, yeah, there's some pretty crazy stuff in there. Like there's some weird stuff that makes absolutely no sense to me. Or what about those Bible stories that, that we just find up, like straight up unbelievable? Like kind of like that one that we talked about earlier, but those stories that seem to go against every single thing we've ever been taught. Like they defy science, they defy things that we feel like we've learned. Like that's, we're like, what in the world do we do with this? And then there are parts of the Bible that we just, quite frankly, we feel like it's just outdated. Maybe it's even kind of offensive, like what, what about the parts of the Bible that, that you read and you're like, that seems, that seems violent. Like that just seems just unjust. Like what is happening here? I thought this was the Bible and I'm seeing stories about death and war and it's just crazy. See, when we read the Bible, we sometimes encounter confusion or, or doubt or we're bothered by what we're reading. And I want you to know that it's okay to feel those things. You're, you're not alone if you do. You can ask almost anyone that at some point in time, they felt confused or experienced some kind of doubt when they were reading the Bible. And sometimes there's just this disconnect between what we're told about the Bible and what we actually experience when we read it. See, we're told that the Bible helps us to know God that it's this, this gateway to see God better. And we can get to know God if we, if we practice hearing from God through his word. But just imagine like what your connection with God would be like if you practiced it every single day. Kind of like what Hayden was talking about as we read it the way that it cleanses us. But what if, what if you do that or you have read it 
and you're just left feeling confused and doubtful, and it doesn't really feel like it's making that, that change that you hear about all the time. What's missing? Like, what's not there that we just don't see? What do we need so that we can see God? So we can see God's story in all of the Bible. So we're not going to be able to, to tackle every single crazy story or unbelievable or just wild part of the Bible in one night. We can't do that. But the good news is that I think there's something that can help us to understand all of the Bible better. And it's called context. And it may sound kind of boring to you, but remember, and this is the most important part, that when we read the Bible, it helps us to know God better. And a way for us to better read the Bible is to understand context. So even if it sounds a little bit boring to you, this is helping us to know God better. And it's so important when we read our Bibles. See, context, it creates clarity. It, the good news is, is that we're already on our way to getting a grasp of the context of the Bible, like from talking about what we've already been talking about. And last week, we looked at the Bible's table of contents. And when we did, we saw how the different parts of the Bible together, they tell God's story. The whole Bible tells God's story, a story where God is the main character, where Jesus most clearly shows us who God is. And the purpose of the Bible, like we said, is to help us to know God. And the, the Bible is split up into, into two parts. And we talked about this, if you remember, is the Old Testament and the New Testament. And within those two parts are 66 books, and that is all in total. Like, it's big. It's large. There's all kinds of different books in there, and they all have different parts that they play. Some books are full of poetry and praise. Some are full of laws for God's people. Some books record historical events. Other books have advice for right living. And there are plenty and plenty of letters in the Bible as well. There's this huge collection in this book. Like we look at the Bible and we think it's just this one really big book, but it's all these different books that are in there. And it's no wonder that when we open it and we try and read it, we get so confused because it's just so vast. In all of the books of the Bible, they're, they're bound together in this one cover. But like I said, the Bible isn't just one book. That's what makes it so confusing. And when we open up the Bible and we start reading it without understanding that we're reading one of like 66 unique documents, we're missing something huge. We're missing context. And as boring as it may sound to you, context matters. Sometimes it's helpful for me to think of it this way. I'm not, I'm not reading just a book. I'm reading a letter that was written to a specific people group. Uh, I'm reading pieces of, of wise advice that a father wrote down for his son. I'm reading a, a history book that's recording everything that happened in their lifetime. I'm reading a song that was written to God by someone who knew God well and wanted to praise him. I'm reading this eyewitness account of someone who actually got to hang out with Jesus. We're reading all of these different things when we open up the Bible. 
And we're going to look at two passages tonight. And the first is from 2 Timothy. And this one is just to set up kind of what, why it's important for context. And then the second one I think is pretty cool because it's a verse that we often misinterpret because we don't know the context around it. So the first one's in 2 Timothy, um, and this is what we know about the context. It's called 2 Timothy because it was the second letter that was written to a guy named Timothy. It's pretty self-explanatory, but we miss that sometimes. Like, what does that even mean, 2 Timothy? And the Apostle Paul, he was a mentor to Timothy, and he wrote it to him. And Timothy was a pastor of a church in Ephesus, and it was a church full of people who were struggling with all kinds of different things. And in this letter, this is what Paul writes. He says this to Timothy, Only Luke is with me. Bring Mark with you when you come, for he will be helpful to me in my ministry. I seek Tychus to Ephesus. When you come, be sure to bring the coat I left with Carpus at Troas. Also bring my books and especially my papers. See, context makes this make sense. It's kind of a weird verse in the Bible. Like, what, is, what does this even mean? See, Paul literally had left his jacket and wants Timothy to bring it back. That's all it is. We know this because we know that this passage, it comes from a letter that was written from Paul to Timothy. So you may read that verse and say, okay, what does this have to do with my life? Well, the truth is that one right there is just the part of a letter that Paul was writing to Timothy. He's just asking for his jacket back. There's nothing to get from it. Like, it's kind of weird. It's in the Bible. What do we get from it? Paul wants his jacket. That's it. But let me give you a second example. And if you've been around church for a while, then you've potentially read or heard this very, very popular verse. It's Philippians 4.13. It says, For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Just raise your hand if you've ever heard that verse. Yeah, pretty much every single person. Without context, without understanding the context of this verse, this verse could mean just about anything that you want it to mean. Anything. It could mean that me, my short self, that if I just believe hard enough, that I can dunk on a 10-foot basketball goal because Christ gives me strength. Maybe, yeah, maybe one day, yeah. If I just believe hard enough, right? Maybe for you it means like, you, you can pass a math test without studying it all because Christ gives me strength. Or maybe, maybe you're sitting in this room and you just really, really want to go viral on TikTok and you're like, I know that I can go viral on TikTok because I have a Christ who gives me strength. See, with no context at all, this sounds like with Jesus, when we read this verse, that he is like a genie who's going to just grant all of our wildest dreams, everything that we can imagine, he'll give it to us. But does it really mean that? Does this verse mean what we think that it means? Well, we're going to look at the context. See, this was also a letter that was written by Paul. You'll find out as you read the Bible that he was a pretty popular dude in the New Testament. He wrote a lot of it. But this time, this was written to an entire church, not just Timothy. This was to an entire church. So just imagine if one of your tribe group leaders decided to take another job in another state, 
they moved pretty far away. And they wrote this letter to our student ministry. And then one of us were to come up here and read it out loud for everyone to hear during tribe night. This is kind of like what this was. But there's more to it. You see, Paul wrote to them from prison. Paul had been arrested for his faith, for believing in Jesus, for professing the gospel. He was arrested for that. And he's in prison and he's writing this letter to this church that he loves. And in the part of the letter where this verse is, Paul was thanking them. He was thanking them for sending him financial support, for praying for him and just acknowledging their kindness. And at the same time, Paul assured them that they did not need to feel obligated to send any more money to him. Paul was letting them know that he would be okay whether he had a lot or whether he had a little. See, Paul's saying, I've had a full stomach. I've learned to be content either way. See, this section of Paul's letter right here, it's really about contentment. And Paul's letting them know that he's figured out how to be peaceful all the time, how to be content with his life, whether life is going really, really good and he's having the best day ever, or whether life feels like it's hit him like a hurricane and it's the worst day he's ever had. See, as Paul writes this letter, things are not going good for him at all. He's in prison. So how can Paul find contentment? even as he writes from prison with everything going the way that it is. But he says, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. See, Paul was dependent on Jesus. His close relationship with Jesus gave him the power and the strength to persevere and to find peace, even if things didn't feel like they were going the right way, even if things were really, really tough. So the meaning of this verse is not some open-ended, we take it how we want to, apply it to your life how you think it should, should apply. It's not about breaking your PR in the gym it's not about saving up for a car or winning that basketball game. It's more like because Jesus gives me strength, because Jesus gives me strength, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay whether I have a little or whether I have a lot. Whether life is going my way or it's going the complete opposite how I thought it would. I can turn my attention to Jesus and find peace even when I'm hurting. See, that's what that verse means. But do you see how the meaning of that verse, it becomes more clear, it changes for us when we know the context. When we don't just pull the verse out and read it. When we actually take everything that's there and say, oh my goodness, this Take then what it means. And because we understand what Paul is saying to the Philippian church, we can take the next step and then we can think about what does this mean to our lives. See, context creates clarity. It makes the Bible make more sense. Imagine, just for a second, that you're at school and you're walking down the hallway and you see this crumpled up piece of paper laying on the ground. 
and you just, you go by and you, you pick it up off the ground and you uncrinkle it and it says, you are a bully. Stop it. Just drop it. Would you actually read that note and think from this random piece of paper, like, oh, wow, I better quit being a bully. Like, I have to stop. This piece of paper says, I have to quit being a bully and I'm supposed to stop. I mean, you could, and you could be reminded that no one likes being bullied, but you would, you would just understand that that note wasn't meant for you. Like, you just found it. It's just this piece of paper, and it was written for somebody else, and you picked it up, and you read it. You just assume that somebody at school had beef with somebody else, and you would accept the fact that this note wasn't written for you, and you may never know what actually really went down. So why do we do this with the Bible? Why do we open the Bible and we let the wind blow to a random page and we stop our finger on it and we start reading that verse when we don't know anything about the verse's original context, who wrote it, when, where, or why, and we try to make sense of it based on our context and our lives? Why do we do that? See, when several people do this with the same verse, we end up with all these different and maybe even contradictory meanings. It happens all the time. People take a verse out of its context. They put it in their own context to make it mean what they want it to mean. And this means that we have to be aware of the context. We have to be aware of our own context. It determines our perspective and the way that we understand the Bible. But we know and we need to know what the Bible is really saying. And to know that, we need to try and read it from the perspective of who it was originally written to. I've heard it explained like this before, that the Bible was written for us, but it was not written to us. See, it was written for us because God knew all along that we would be born and live at this point in time. He knew that. And it was God's plan to help us to know him better through these writings. As we open the Bible and as we read it, and as it was passed down from generation to generation, that it would allow us today in this room to know him better. He knew that. But at the same time, the Bible was written thousands of years ago in a culture, a cultural context that was very different from ours. And if we want to know what the Bible is saying, we have to ask the question, what, does the, what did this mean for them in their context back then? And once we know that, we can then ask ourselves the question, what does this mean for us in our context today? So earlier we acknowledged that that some parts of the Bible, they seem crazy. They seem odd. They seem unbelievable. They seem troubling even. And you may even have a specific passage in mind that you're like, I just don't get it. Something that just didn't sit well with you when you read it. See, knowing the context of difficult passages in the Bible can help us to make sense of them. So keep asking questions. Keep looking for answers. Don't just stop at, well, that didn't make any sense. Learn, discover. It's worth, it's worth noting that some parts of the Bible, they describe what life looked like back then. 
but they're not saying what life should look like today. It's just how it was during their time when it was written. And let's not forget the most important part of why we need to do this. It's because the Bible is telling one story. It's a story of God's love for you. God's love for all people. And when you read the Bible, even the really, really difficult parts, read it with Jesus in mind. Look for the context. See, if we forget that the point of the Bible is to help us to know God, and if we don't know the context of what we're reading in the Bible, we're just taking our best guess at what it means. And we don't need to do that. And since the point of the Bible is to know God, then we don't want to just mess around and and just hope that we figure it out. See, it's worth spending the time actually really reading it and not just opening up to the verse of the day and like trying to figure out, okay, how does this apply to my school day today? Like actually opening the Bible and reading it because God is worth it. It's worth it to spend the time to know the God who loves you. It's worth it to spend the time to know the God who wants nothing more than to have a relationship with you. So I want to, I want to invite you tonight. Invite you tonight that if you aren't sure like where your relationship stands with God, and you're like, I don't know, what's it even matter if I open the Bible? I don't really even know if I want to know God. If you aren't sure what you even think about God, or maybe you just have questions, I want to invite you tonight to find a tribe leader. Ask those questions. Do it tonight. Don't wait. They want to, and we want to walk with you through your questions, through what's going on in your life, through your doubt. It's okay. You don't have to be scared to be in a church building and not know if you, what you think about God. It's okay. We want to walk with you through that. And then I also want to invite you to open your Bible. If you do feel like you have a relationship with God, open your Bible. Don't just pick it up. Don't just open it and take a picture and drink your coffee and then close it. Open it and read it. Start learning more about God. Start discovering the context of what was written. Not just so you can say that you know more than others, you can hold it over someone's head, that you're so smart and you have this, but so that you can know the creator of the universe. So the next time you come across a part of the Bible that you don't understand, I want you to try asking these questions. As we wrap up, here's these questions that I want you to to write down, put in your notes app, whatever it is, so that you can remember to ask this when you get really confused. The first one is, who wrote it and who was it written to? Who wrote it and who was it written to? See, sometimes a passage doesn't make sense to us because we don't understand who the audience is. So start there. Who wrote it? Who was it written to? Second question, why was it written down? 
See, 2 Timothy was written to encourage a friend in his leadership as a Christian. Philippians, it was written to remind a group of people that they were loved by God and to encourage them to keep following Jesus, to press on. It's two different books with two completely different purposes for why they were written and who they were written to. And when you can figure out the why behind it, it can make what was written seem more clear and more easily understood to you. So why was it written down? Third question, what made people think this information should be written down or saved? Like, what impact does it have? What did it have on the people who first heard it? And the fourth question, is it helpful to me or not? See, the whole Bible is important. Don't get me wrong at all. Don't hear me wrong. But not all parts are equally helpful to you at every moment of every day. And that's okay. I think a tip could be that as you're reading, keep reading that passage of scripture until you do bump up against something that is helpful and then stop there. Keep reading it. If you're like, I don't really know, keep going and keep reading until you do. Think about it. Maybe write down a few thoughts on why it's helpful to you and what you plan on doing with it. Maybe talk to your tribe group leader about it. Talk to each other. Whatever it is, open it. And then ask yourself those questions when you become confused. See, the Bible, it's a gift from God. It's not just this, this thing that you're forced to read. It's not just some, some churchy thing that they're like, hey, you, you're supposed to read this. It's a gift from God. It's to help us to know God and to become the person that, that he created us to be in the process. But for that to actually happen, for it to really happen, for you to become the person that God created you to be, we need to do more than just closing our eyes, opening to a random page, and reading the first words that we see. See, the Bible, it was written in different times, different places, and we're going to be confused sometimes, and that's okay. But look at the context. Learn. It's impossible to find God and not be changed for the better. And as you discover context, you'll discover that you find God in the scripture. So what if, what if you and I made the decision together that despite sometimes feeling confused, that we would look at the Bible with, with courage, that we wouldn't be scared of it, Instead of giving up when things don't make sense, we would push harder and remember what the prize of all of it is, to know God. So when we put in the effort to learn about the Bible, we're promised that we will know God better. Let's pray. Father, I, I thank you that even though the Bible can be confusing at times, that you've given us the, the ability to learn, the ability to discover that you want us to know you better. So Father, I pray that you would give us all hearts of curiosity to, to uncover the meaning of what's in the Bible. That whenever we get 
confused or we don't understand something, that, that we would push harder. That we would want to learn more about you. Father, I pray that you would set our eyes on the ultimate prize of having relationship with you, of knowing you. Give us what we need and help us to do better as we open our Bibles and read and learn about you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.